Today we're going to talk about God's plan for dads. And to jump straight to it, really that God planned for dads to matter. God planned for dads to matter. Do I need to prove that? Is that something that we need to be convinced of? I hope that's not the case. We've all experienced that to be true. We all have a dad, whether they're living or not, or present or not, or were healthy for us or not, or intentional towards us or not. We all experience the fact that dads leave a mark on our lives, a mark that we're grateful for, or a mark that we have come to regret or had to work through. Yeah, I know. A lot of our kind of life-lived experience, a lot of our pop culture tries to uh, communicate that dads are uh, a bit of a comic or negative figure at best, right? That's why dad shoes are lame shoes. That's why dad jeans are are lame jeans. That's why uh, dad jokes are lame jokes, unless you're a dad, in which they're kind of clever. Um, And it's why... Dad bods are lame bods, though I'd love to see that trend reversed pretty soon. Be helpful for me. (laughs) Yeah, I know the significance of fatherhood might seem to be tarnished, but don't believe that for a second. God planned for dads to matter. And we can see that by looking at Ephesians chapter 5. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, and we'll kind of move into chapter 6. I'm jumping to Ephesians 5, 33, though we could go all the way back to Genesis and see how God designed humanity to function in the first place and to see that fatherhood was a role that God came up with himself. But I'm going to jump straight to a really applicable moment where God makes it clear that he planned for dads to matter. And he, and he lays out, uh, really, the whole family plan here. You can see that all of these roles are significant. All of these roles have something to give, but today we're going to focus on fathers. The passage says this, However, let each of you love his wife, so he's talking to husbands, love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Perhaps that's what the dads in the room wish we were speaking on. This is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then the verse we're going to land on and focus on. Verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Obviously, there's a lot that we could focus on. There's a lot that we could talk about. We're not going to encompass the whole picture of fatherhood in our time this morning. But what I want us to notice is that God intended for men with children to have a meaningful role in their lives. God intended men with children to have a meaningful role in their lives. He planned for dads to matter. And this plan begins with something we have to avoid. So that list starts like this. Kids don't need our provocation. Provocation. 
Dads, kids don't need our provocation. Provoking them, making them angry, that's not what they need. And of course, you may ask, how may a parent do that? And all of us who are kids in the room, so it's all of us in some way, shape, or form, know the answer to that perhaps pretty quickly. How might our parents, how might our fathers provoke us to anger? Well, if I leave you to sit on that, you, you might come up with a long list of things. This is, this is my list off the cuff. Overprotection, unrealized expecta- unrealistic expectations, excessive criticism, manipulative affection, silent absence. Just kind of looking at a couple of different angles. These are some of the habits, some of the behaviors that we as parents and, and dads, perhaps on Father's Day, let's focus on ourselves. We as fathers could employ, perhaps often employ, in a way that provokes our children towards anger, towards being hurt. And we're not going to dwell on this, but maybe we ought to take the time to say, as, as we look at that list, can I, can I put that list back up on the screen? As we look at that list, does the Spirit kind of prick my heart that I think that I might be guilty of doing one of these things more often than I should? I, I wonder if I shouldn't invite my small group to speak into this area of my life. I wonder if I don't need to be sending a text today to an accountability source in my life and say, am, am I manipulative with my affection to my family? Do you sense that with me? I, I, I sense that that is something I'm afraid I do. The, this is a list of things we should not be doing. And dads, it's so easy to operate this way. That instead of cultivating our kids' souls, we cultivate their frustration. Perhaps the goal is noble. We want them to have well-behaved manners or get good grades or succeed in their extracurriculars. Good things. So we deploy our schedules, our conversations, our emotions, our bank accounts to achieve an outcome with their life instead of developing the person for their life. Isn't that something we do too often? Too often, we take good fathering and diminish it down to simply being perceived as a good father. What we ultimately want is for them to make us look good, so we leverage maybe these provocative behaviors Dads, parents, maybe generally, but fathers, especially if you're in an active season of fatherhood, we need to resist making our kids reflections of our own self-worth. We need to resist making our kids reflections of our own self-worth because few things provoke anger in a human, in our children, more than when they sense that they are nothing more than props in our unfinished fairy tale of ourselves. Was that enough time on what we shouldn't do? The passage 
tells us we should not provoke anger in our kids, but it goes on to tell us what we ought to do. It says, but bring them up, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here's the thing we should do. Kids do need, so we ought to be giving them this. Kids do need our guidance. They need our guidance towards godliness. The passage says that they need to be brought up. The concept there, the word literally there is that they need to be nourished towards. They need to be fed and fueled towards something. Some of you take fitness in here more seriously than I do. The bar is not as high as it should be for that to be true. And if that's you, you know that you have to choose very intentionally what to eat in order to fuel who you're becoming. I think very seriously about what I should eat in order to fuel who I'm becoming. It's just not what I should be becoming. And it's pizza and ice cream, right? I fuel who I'm becoming quite intentionally. And that shouldn't be a joke. Um, But here I am confessing this to all of you. Let's pray together towards repentance. Um, When you are serious about fueling who you should be, you consider the macros and the micros and eating at the right times and in the right quantities in order to build and develop yourself. And maybe that doesn't help because that's not the type of person you are, but you can imagine the, the landscaping in your front lawn and the fact that in order to garden or, or grow something, you have to nourish it with the right environment. You have to give it the right food and minerals and feed and fertilizer. You have to remove all the things that are sucking those things away and the weeds, and you have to cultivate this life, and it takes work. That is bringing up something. And dads, God has said you have a meaningful role to do that to bring up, to nourish and fuel your children. What nourishment do they need? They need discipline. They need instruction. They need training. They need education and teaching. Kids need to be nourished in God's gospel, trained in God's ways, and taught the wisdom of God. And and I think this could be the way that List, look, these, these are the types of things kids need in order to thrive, in order to grow towards godliness, in order for us to be able to guide them towards godliness. They need our presence, someone who is with them, proximity and awareness of them. And get this, not in the room, but online, right? In the room and on their side for them. Dads, kids don't need perfect dads, but they do need present dads. They need you to be there. And they need consistency. They need someone who's stable and predictable. It's not healthy for them to wonder if they're getting nice dad after work or angry dad after work. They shouldn't get away with sin sometimes, but then get overcorrected for it the next time. Discipline and instruction are received best from someone they can reliably depend on. Kids also need provision. I mean, kids can't provide for themselves. At least mine can't. Maybe yours are doing better at that than than mine are. 
They need someone to ensure their basic survival. I, I shouldn't need to talk about this. But you can't point someone to Jesus while squandering the resources to feed them and educate them and care for them in the meantime. They need structure. Humans are naturally terrible at self-policing. We are. We're naturally terrible at self-policing. We need to be shown what's right from wrong. We need to be shown what's safe from dangerous. Your student, your kids need discipline in order to be able to tell and able to do what's best once the fun or the enjoyment of doing what's best fades away. They need that structure. And dads, kids need your words. They need your words, not just showing them, but telling them and affirming them and communicating with them, teaching them God's word, praying with and for them, having gospelized, God-centered conversations, spiritually significant times together that are structured and scheduled and repeating. Dads, I don't know why this is. Maybe it's because we're statistically, probably, speaking less words than their mom is in the first place. But your words are powerfully important in the lives of your kids. You don't need to just feel something towards them. You need to communicate it with them. And maybe that's hard for a lot of us to do well. I know some of my most meaningful conversations that I remember still to this day happened with a baseball glove on my hand. Because that's where a conversation could happen well. Maybe it's next to each other with a headset on over a video game for you. Maybe it's in the car on a ride, but scheduling and planning for spiritually significant, God-oriented, and affirmation-leveled conversations matter from you. They also need chances. Taking the time to work through this list because this is going to build into the rest of what we do, and I, I'm challenged by this myself. Our kids need chances. They need Safe environments to try and to fail, to fall and be picked back up, to scalp the lawn and ruin your landscaping and still be a part of the family. Nobody learns to do life on their first try or their third or their 14th. Kids need a grace-filled environment in order to flourish. They need to know that their mistakes aren't the last word that speaks over their life. What are your mistakes in life? And if it's something you've been able to get past, isn't it because someone was willing to give you one more chance? I Man, I could tell a long story and make the service go much further than it should if I wanted to tell, tell all the times I needed more chances. I Man, one time my parents were teaching me to drive, and they gave me the keys to back the van out of the garage. My first accident happened in our driveway with the garage, right? Like, you, you messed that up before you have your license, right? Like, chances, though, to see that you are going to be able to become someone who you are not now. And kids need love. 
they need to know that they're seen and known and loved unconditionally. Not because of how they behaved, not because of how they performed, because they exist. Because God's image is in them. Because God's entrusted them to us. So much of their future ability to love and be loved depends on them getting this well. Dads, I am sure, I am just going to suppose that you do communicate your love and you show your love in meaningful ways. So maybe let me just focus on this. Let's please also love them. Them. Not the version of them that they used to be that we really enjoyed and got along with. Not the version of them that we want them to be because they're really bugging us right now. Let's love them for who they are right now. Sure, nurture new and helpful skills. Yes. Introduce things to them that they're not comfortable with or don't enjoy. Absolutely. Help them kill sin at every turn in their life. Definitely. But they are still most defined by the image of their creator. See that in them and help them to see that in them and love that in them. Find him in them. Dads, let's make it our personal mission to identify and isolate and demolish any speck of doubt in our kids' lives that they are loved by us. Man, look at what our kids need. And of course, moms in the room, you're a part of this too. Definitely. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. Grandparents in the room, small group members in the room, kids leaders who aren't in the room but are doing some of this right now. We are a part of this together. But today's Father's Day. So dads, here in Scripture, we see that dad, God designed dads to matter in the life of their kids in this way. They need to show up distinctively and meaningfully to guide their kids towards godliness, to nourish and bring up their kids. God planned for dads to matter. But that is a tall order, isn't it? We have a problem. Kids don't need a provocation. Kids do need us to guide them towards godliness. But we have a problem. The problem is this. None of us had perfect dads. My apologies to all the dads in the room. (laughs) None of us had perfect dads. None of us had dads who gave us all of these things in perfect quantities. Our dads were works in progress at best. They gave themselves, even though probably they were carrying their own hurts, most of them did their very best and gave incredibly sacrificially towards us. But none of them were enough. So where does that leave us as their kids? If we didn't get that list of our needs delivered to us, well, if dad's matter and ours weren't perfect, do we have hope? Are we damaged goods? Are we not able to change? And the problem doesn't get better. It keeps getting worse because not only did none of us have perfect dads, dad, you aren't a perfect dad either. Happy Father's Day. I didn't see those cards. They, they must have all sold out, as my guess on that one. None of us are perfect dads. None of us can be perfect dads. You know, I'm encouraged. There's been some news lately. I read a statistic that 
Active and engaged fatherhood is on the rise. More dads today want to be a part of their kids' lives than before. That trend is moving in a good direction, and I'm grateful for that. But we still aren't perfect. We'll still sin against our kids and let them down. We still won't be able to protect our kids from everything. We still won't be able to see through to every problem they'll encounter, especially because a lot of the problems they'll encounter, we only see in the mirror. And even when we're most successful, we're not able to transform their spiritual souls through the gospel that only God can work through. So, is there hope? If God planned for dads to matter and we have these huge problems and this massive list of things that we need to communicate to our kids, there is. Because God has a plan for dads, for all people. God's plan matters for dads. God's plan matters for dads. God has a plan for the world, and praise the Lord, it is dependent on him, not us. And he gave us himself, a worthy father. God is a worthy father. We have a worthy father in God. So while we may have been failed by our parents, though I suspect most of us have more to be grateful for than we know, Though we will fail as parents, by faith in Jesus, God planned to introduce himself to us as our perfect father, who frees us from our fears and a broken life. We, we could read it this way. In, in Romans chapter 8, would you flip over there really quickly? Romans chapter 8, verse 14. In Romans 8, 14, it says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's one way of saying all who are led by the Spirit of God, if you are new in Christ, if you are saved, we might say if you are a Christian, you are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If you're led by the Spirit, Romans 8 tells us if you're saved by grace through faith, God is your Father. God is your Father. You are a spiritual child of God. And while you have many needs, all those needs that we just talked about, while we all have those needs ourselves, while your kids have those needs from you as parents, from you as a father, we have a father who is there. Think about that. We, we had the need to be, pres to be present in the lives of our kids. As kids, we have the need for our parents to be present with us, but our father is there, everywhere present, always aware listening to us, seeing everything we face and feel and walk through. We have a Father who's unchanging. If we need consistency, we have a God who's there for it. He is unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can know who he is. He is providing for us, giving strength and life and resources and community. He's disciplining us. 
where we have this need for structure, for something that will teach us what's right and what's wrong, he's disciplining us constantly at work to refine us and convict us and lead us for our good. And our God is speaking to us, speaking to us through the Spirit, speaking us through time, speaking to us through his word, speaking to us through his Son who came to earth to be seen and felt and heard and to sacrifice himself for us. And our God is forgiving. He's offering grace through his sacrifice in our place for our sins for us. And our God is love. He is loving. We need to be loved, and he is love. His nature is love. Everything that he does is love. We could go on and on and on about who God is and the attributes of God. This is just a sampler list, and we don't have time to get into the depth behind it all. But we have a father who is worthy. We have a worthy father that we can know. Do you see how this list of things that our kids need, that we need, is fulfilled line for line directly by who God is. Everything we need, he provides. All of our needs find fulfillment in who our heavenly Father is. God's plan matters for dads because he is the worthy Father that we need and who our children need. We can have hope then, when otherwise we might have felt hopeless. You know, there's a passage that elaborates this fatherly relationship that God has with us, that kind of fleshes out what it looks like for God to be all of who he is alongside all of our needs, and that's Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to jump over there right now and and be one last look at us, a case study, if you will, about how God operates as our Heavenly Father. In Hebrews 12, verse 5, it says this, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son who he receives. So start listening as we read through this. Be paying attention for the father-son language, for that language that we saw in Ephesians about fathers needing to bring up their kids and discipline and instruction. That was the call for earthly dads. Now look what our heavenly father does here as the author of Hebrews explains this towards us. It, he says this, verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined in us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Do we see the parallels here between Hebrews 12 and Ephesians? Do we see the way we have a father 
who is active in bringing up through discipline and instruction towards godliness in the Lord. And here in Hebrews 12, we see God demonstrating he treats us as children, as his sons and daughters, and leverages discipline to bring us up towards holiness for our good, to be like him. God's plan matters for dads, for everyone, because God is treating us as daughters and sons. And so as we go through life, dads, as you go through parenting, moms, as you go through parenting, human, as you go through life, whatever that is, wherever we are, a Christian can know that at every turn, God is treating them as his child who he loves. That is what is true about us in every moment and in every season. So in your growing up season as a child, whatever that looked like, we can know that somehow in Christ, if you know and follow him, God was using that, is using that still, like a father with their child, for your good. We have a worthy father that we can know and we can follow. We can know him. We can follow him. Because he is a worthy father that's speaking and loving and forgiving. That's all of these things. We can know him and we can follow him. We can trust him to work on us and in us. Because no matter how our earthly father was, no matter what our track record has been like as a dad, we can be, because our father is worthy, we can be secure. Let's put those, these lists up side by side again. We can be secure. Because he is there in our need for presence, we can be secure. Because he is unchanging, we can be confident. We have consistency. We know who God is. We know how he behaves. Because he's providing for us, we can be resilient. Because he always gives what we need. Because he is disciplining us, we can be holy. Because he who began a good work in us will be faithful to see it to completion in us. Because he is speaking through his word, through his spirit, we can be certain He's revealed truth to us. We don't have to be wondering and confused and waiting on hearing something. We can be certain in life about who we are and about whose we are, about who God is. Because he's forgiving, we can be new. Because grace and freedom now speak over our lives at every turn. And Because our Father is loving, frankly, I don't really know how to fill in that gap. I wrote in belonging. We can belong because God loves us. But I want to put this on you. Because as I was thinking this week, there were a hundred things that I thought I ought to fill in that spot. Let me ask you. Because God knows you, because God cherishes and loves and cares for you perfectly, what do you get to be in him? In your life, in your heart, how do you answer that? God loves you. So what can you be? What can you be because you are holy and perfectly loved by God? 
alive, whole, free, thriving, belonging. I don't know the entirety of the impact that God's love has, but I know that it changes everything about human existence. Changes everything about the way you are going to journey through life. So dads, God planned for you to matter. And God's gospel-fueled plan to be our spiritual father matters for you. God's plan is what gives our kids ultimate life in him. God's plan is what can give us healing in the wounds we've been given. So it's towards this relationship with God as Father that we train and instruct and encourage our kids and everyone we know, trying to make it as easy as possible for them to see him and respond to the gospel as he calls them. That's fatherhood. And so a few closing thoughts for us today. For the people in the room who have a dad, who had a dad, who are a child. That's everybody. I just want to make sure we're clear about that. If you want to honor your worthy father, God, honor your earthly father. If you want to honor your worthy father, honor your earthly father. We saw that segment in Ephesians 5. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. Let's honor our dads. Give them a hug. Call them up on the phone. Perhaps honoring in this season means offering forgiveness or sharing words of affirmation that you've held on to. Your dad is no longer living. Talk about him today, this week. Share stories, pass on a bit of his legacy to the people you care about. Maybe today ask the Spirit in this moment, what does honoring my dad look like for me? As he leads, as his word would instruct us, let's act on that. And then, to those of us who are dads, To those of us who are dads, if you want your kids to be all about him, be a father who's all about him. That's the way we summarize our vision statement around here, right? We want to make disciples of Jesus Christ whose lives are all about him, not a bad motto to adopt for your family mission as well. And if you want to raise kids whose lives are all about him, you've got to be a father who's all about him. In the first place. We'll never lead someone somewhere that we aren't ourselves. Perhaps the single best way to bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is to not make your children your focus in the first place. Instead, focus on God. Submit your life wholly to Him, to worshiping Him, to living for Him, to growing in Him, to actively repenting before Him and those around you as He calls you to. On and on the list may go. And then, 
As you bring your children along in that lifestyle, they will see and hear and experience what it is to know God, to have a life that's all about him in the first place. And I suspect that you'll end up doing a far better job of revealing who you are to your children in the first place than any other strategy could possibly have. So to that end today, I want to invite us to ask God into that calling, into that mission that he's planned for dads.